All right, I want to talk to uh, want to talk to two specific groups of people tonight. Uh, the first group of people I'd like to talk to are those folks in here that were children in the '80s, and uh, the second crew of people I would like to uh, talk to are those who weren't, those who got left out. Okay, so the, the '80s um, was a beautiful thing. Any, any, anybody agree here, right? Yeah, the '80s were a beautiful thing. I I want to bring you in to some of my favorite things of the 80s, because I, I was a child in the 80s. Uh, maybe you don't know this. I was born January 1st, 1201, a minute after midnight, 1980. That's my birthday. So many people believed I was like the first baby born in the world in 1980. Either way, this was awesome in 1980. Double dare. Come on now. You guys remember this. Listen. And I'm just, if, if you were a kid in the 90s, listen, there was no game show that could even come close to touching Nickelodeon's Double Dare. Unbelievable. Changed my life. Still does. All right? Look at the graphics on Double Dare, right? Just rocking it. All right, how about this in the 80s? This was classic. You guys remember the light brights? Woo! They don't make technology like this anymore. This was cutting edge, right? I mean, this was... This was the beginning of LED lights, okay? Blanton, is that, is that true? Was, did the light bright start it out? It did. I'm getting a thumbs up from our uh, sound and light technician. So the light bright, unbelievable. Like, does anyone still have one working? Anyone still have a working light bright? Kind of? All right. Can, we, can, I, can you bring it next week? Okay. Good. All right. That would be awesome. I, I wish my kids could experience this. Next one. How about this? You guys remember this? Look at this. The Trapper Keeper. Loose leaf, nothing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you weren't a kid if you didn't have a trapper keeper. You'd like walk into a hospital and they would say, hey, where's your trapper keeper? And, they would, and you would say, no, I don't have one. They'd be like, I'm sorry, we can't treat you. We treat people here with trapper keepers, right? What an unbelievable way to organize. Again, like way superseding the, you know, the, the personal devices. Next to the slide, how about this in the 80s? This is a classic, the Reebok Pumps. Actually, Kozlowski, Keith, he was telling me that the, the, the pump shoes are coming back. Is that true? Okay, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal had like a size 23, okay, Reebok pumps. And you guys all know like you pump them up and they were, all right. Now, this will be vulnerable for me to share with you, but I'm going to share it. My favorite cartoon growing up and one of the best thing of the 80s was, oh, yes, my friends, He-Man, okay? Um, mm. He-Man, he's like double man. He's both a he and a man, you know what I'm saying? Like, whoever came up with that name, right? And, and then you got She-Ra, and apparently they did a Christmas special, which, which I don't remember the Christmas special, but I know He-Man was boss, okay? Uh, my mom would attest to this if she were here, but I used to take the little vacuum, you know, like the long slender hose, and that became my He-Man sword, okay? I never vacuumed once in my life, but like the, the, the sword was legit, okay? I thought this picture was funny, actually, because... What was the name of the, the villain, the lower left, anyone? Skeletor. Like, Skeletor and a Christmas special don't seem to mesh. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's celebrate Christmas with a skeleton. You know, it just, it seems, it seems weird. Now, <laughs> you would think it very, very strange if all of a sudden you were like, hey, Mark, can I, you know, can I come over? I, I just have some questions about the Bible or whatever. And I was like, sure, you know, come on over. Here's my address. And you came downstairs and I was like sitting uh, crisscross apple, applesauce on the floor 
with my Teletubbies blanket and a pacifier watching He-Man. You know what I'm saying? You would kind of be like, uh, uh, Mark? You know? And, you know and, and if I turned around confidently, like not ashamed, you know, if I turned around, I was like, oh, pull up a chair, you know? In fact, here's a little blanket for you, you know? Got an extra passy, this would be great. Like, you, you would think it was very strange because I'm like a, a grown man. I'm a, I'm a sort of he-man of, of sorts, you know? Like, I, I'm a grown, I'm a, I'm a man. And so the fact that I'm acting like an infant seems, it seems weird. Um, uh, you remember the first time your parents called you immature? Okay. Do you remember the first time your parents told you to grow up? The contention is this, okay? Does, uh, next slide, does time equal maturity? It doesn't quite work out that way, does it? That's why it's weird. Like, if you walked down in my basement and saw me, you would be like, Mark, that doesn't match your age. So even though you've lived some life, you're still acting like an infant. This premise works precisely the same in terms of our relationship with Jesus. Does time equal maturity? No. Uh, Some, even maybe here, have been believers for 30 years, and yet they act infantile in their faith. Uh, It's as if they haven't grown Uh, one iota from 30 years ago. And yet others of you, uh, even many in this room who I'm so deeply encouraged by, you're very young in the faith. Okay, six months, a year of following Christ and you're leading leaders already. Like you're so driven by God's spirit, so surrendering of your life. Like truly, I want you to hear this. Like I am deeply encouraged by so many of you here that are young and leading, not in fear of your youthfulness. Uh, but, But tonight, like, Listen, I want to wrestle together with what growing in Christ actually means because for a good majority of you in here, it's been a while. You had maybe a, a spurt of growth. Uh, uh, you, you know, you had the season where you were flourishing. We would say like budding. You just, you're experiencing and encountering all kinds of means of growth, but, but now it's, it's, um, it's diminished. So why is that? Why does that happen? Why does our growth Get stunted. What does growth in Christ really mean? That's where we're going to head tonight. So I want you guys to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. We're going to start chapter 3. That's right, chapter 3, everybody. We're moving at like record pace, okay? Only nine more years in 1 Corinthians. is going to be great. Uh, we're going to study all the way from verse 1 to 9 uh, tonight. So 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. And again, we, we have uh, racks of Bibles now. They're in the back of the building here. So like those are for you. So if you don't have a Bible at home, like, just take one. You don't have to bring it back, okay? Just, just take it, and it's, it's yours. Consider it a gift. The church is giving away Bibles? Yeah, that seems to make sense, doesn't it? Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start here in verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Now, what in the world is he saying? This seems confusing. If you remember what we looked at last week, just look up to verse 14, uh, chapter 2. The natural person does not accept the things of God, for they are folly to him. Okay, so the natural person is what we could say a a non-believer. And natural is, is actually a fitting word because that's how we're naturally born. We are born sinners. We have this phrase in our language where we'll, we'll say, like, someone is a good person apart from Christ. And I just want you to understand, like, there is no such a thing. 
Okay, like, unless you're in Christ, then that's where hope and life comes from. Like, everything else, we're born sinners. Our kids are a good proof of that, okay? So there's a natural person, the unbeliever, and then we also saw this last week, okay? Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things. So last week, we saw the natural person, the believer, and the spiritual person, that, that person led by the Spirit. But now, tonight, Paul seems to add a third category, which is really confusing, Now, here's the category he adds. He says there's not just a spiritual, there's not just a natural, there's actually an infant in Christ. Is being an infant in Christ a bad thing? Well, it kind of depends on how long you've been there, right? Um, Let's define infant first. Okay, so how many guys babysit, right? How many guys babysit infants, okay? All right. I feel like our community here is like, is it like a tons and tons of babysitters? Like there's a... Some of you guys are making like 30 grand babysitting. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not writing any of it off anyway. We'll talk about that later. But listen, listen, like an infant, they show themselves as infants because their whole world is themselves. They need to eat, and if they don't eat quick enough, they cry. And if crying doesn't get attention, they yell. And if yelling doesn't get attention, they poop everywhere. You know what I'm saying? They just... They have a way of grabbing attention and bringing all attention to themselves. If they're throwing a tantrum for whatever reason, you know, and, and listen, this gets classic. When, you're, when your kids can finally walk, okay, and then when they start communicating, like, as a parent, you feel freed at first. You're like, sweet mother. Like, you know, I don't have to lug them around anymore. And so your kid, like, you know, comes wobbling in the grocery store. And, you know, one of the first words they can say is, I want, you know. And so my, you, your kid comes up and... I want, and they're pointing to a sucker. And you're like, no, we're not going to. And in that kid's mind, in that precise moment, oh, yeah? You think you're going to tell me that I can't have this? Oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to make sure every single person in this whole store thinks and knows that you're a horrible parent, right? So they grab that sucker. They throw that sucker down. They stomp on that sucker. I mean, they're just wailing at the top of your lungs. And as a parent, going, shh, you know, you're like, and eventually, you just, like, leave all your groceries and, like, grab your kid and run out the store, right? That's what an infant does. Okay. An infant is very self-focused, very self-consumed. Now, when you first come to Christ, you're an infant in Christ. That's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. You begin faith in the Lord Jesus. He, he finds you. You don't find him. You were lost. He wasn't. He finds you. You... You call him Savior, and and so you're an infant in Christ. But the image that Paul's frustrated with in Corinth is, I came to Corinth, I preached the gospel, you are babes in Christ, now I'm writing to you like months and months later, and you're still babes. I problema, now we have a problem. You haven't grown. You haven't matured. Like, you're still acting infantile. There's a problem here. There hasn't been growth. That's where many of you find yourselves. That's what's happening here in Corinth. Look at verse 2. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. Well, you don't have to be a parent to understand this premise, right? So if like at three months old, even though you really, really desire it, you sit your kid down and try to feed him a tombstone pizza, it's not going to go well. As heavenly as Tombstone Pizza is, amen? Can I get an amen, please? If you don't amen anything tonight, please, okay? Like, like a Tombstone Pizza is, is God. But you, you try to force feed Tombstone Pizza in a three-month, it's not going to work. The, 
They cannot digest it. Okay. And that's what Paul's saying in verse 2. He said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, but you're still not ready for solid food. You're still being supplied by, by the source. Let's get really awkward. Um, have you ever been to like Crackle Barrel or something? And you saw like a five or six-year-old nursing? You know what I'm saying? It's like the weirdest thing ever, right? Some of you are just catching now what I'm saying, right? It doesn't, like, it, it doesn't make sense, okay? We'll erase that from the recording, but, um, and Tim, Austria, I appreciate the no, okay? Um, but, but it doesn't make sense. That's what, he's, that's what he's proclaiming here. You should be off the milk. So here's the question, what's milk and what's solid food? If some of you are still on milk, then scripturally, what is the difference between milk and solid food? Thankfully, Hebrews 5 rips our face off. Check this out. Beautiful text, okay? About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, something should have happened in your maturation that would cause you to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Hebrews 5 says you need milk, not solid food. So... So again, like, this is a negative thing in this sense. You came to Christ, you were an infant, you were supposed to mature, to grow, to go through a growth spurt, but for whatever reason you haven't. You've either stayed still or you've you've regressed. This isn't good, this doesn't make sense. For, verse 13, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And right now, I want and desire to break every single one of your mentality about mature. That's part of your problem. You associate immaturity with a great thing, a crown, as it were. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and listen, like, there's, there's times to be crazy. There's times to be goofy. There, there's times that I definitely don't act anywhere near 35, Okay? But we see maturation as like, as that us becoming an old head or us becoming lame or us becoming conservative or whatever the case may be. But scripture is making a very clear case that maturation is a good thing. So maybe we could say it this way, what are you afraid of? So from last week, here's what milk is. Next slide. If we're spirit-led, what we learned last week is the Spirit is taking us towards the character of God, towards the gospel, and toward the truth of the Scripture. This is how the Spirit is maturing us. So milk is then the beginning, next slide, of all of these things. It's like the first fruits. It's the taste. So just the beginning of the character of God, just the beginning of the understanding of the gospel, just the beginning of interpreting Scripture. That's what milk is. Okay, it's just like, man, it... It, it tastes good, but it's, it's, it's like just the beginning. For those of you that have matured, that have grown tremendously in Christ, you can attest that your understanding of God's love the day you came to Christ and your understanding of God's love now are leap years apart. Like the depth of his love, the understanding of his love, what his love now stirs you to, is completely matured. It doesn't lessen the impact of this. This was great. 
God is good and he's big and he's holy and oh my goodness, grace is awesome and forgiveness of sin is incredible. All these things are great, in fact. You need to be reminded of these things from time to time. But I'm going to tell you this. From when I first came to Christ at seven years old to now my understanding of God's love, I mean, they're nowhere in the same galaxy. That's a good thing. Because the depth of understanding of God's love, the pursuit of the gospel, all those things have stirred in me worship. I don't worship God less because I know him more. I worship him more because I know him more. Okay. So this is what milk and solid food is. And what Paul's contending in Corinth is, um, you weren't ready then for solid food, and now I've come back and I've heard through the grapevine that you're not ready again. And this is frustrating. I wish you were ready. I, 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 wish, I wish you would grow up. Now I say those words and instantly like some of you get all Twitter-pated, right? Because when you, the last time you heard grow up, it was a dad pointing a finger in your, right? You need to grow up. And you've associated maturation and growing up with this very negative harassment. I want you to hear it through a different lens tonight. Check out what Paul says in verse 3. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? In other words, your immaturity is clear because of your behavior. Uh, remember when you were a kid and you got to like dress up like your parents one day? Or you were playing, you know, dress up. And I remember one of the first times that I, like, put on my dad's tie. You know, I, I couldn't tie it properly, but I, like, put on his jacket. My kids love to put on my shoes because they, they like, they want to feel mature. Okay? This is a true story. Please don't tell DF or uh, the FDA or whatever. Um, but I was, I was in, my, in my house, okay? The kids were out. My boys were out in the, in the driveway, and uh, I just had to run in to get something for a second, you know. So they're jamming out to, of course, Joy FM, right? That's what pastor's kids listen to. And um, <laughs> actually, they're listening to Z1077. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, so so I, I come back out, okay? I come back out. And sitting in the driver's seat is my five-year-old boy, okay? Again, the van is on, okay? He's sitting in the driver's seat. He looks at me, okay, as if I'm going to do something about it, Right? And, like, I have all these thoughts running through my mind in this moment about what's going to happen. But he looks at me, and, like, just despite me, okay, he puts his foot on the accelerator and revs the engine, like, red line, you know? Well, my face was red line, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> everything in me, right? But, but he, he, like, he sees Dad drive a van, and he wants to drive a van. Like he, wants to, he wants to feel older than he actually is, but it's an act. He can't drive a van. And unfortunately, that's where many of you find yourselves. At times acting immature because you don't know who you are, and other times trying to act mature, though your behavior says quite the opposite. Okay, well, Paul says in verse 3, and then we're going to examine this yet again. Look at this one more time. You are still of the flesh. Your behavior, your jealousy and strife, they're, they're showing your behavior to be immature. Like, what is the problem here? Our next slide, I hope this will help us. Okay. There is this, this premise of our maturation as we grow that has to connect us to our, to our righteousness in Christ 
and that has to reveal for us our sin. In other words, why, do, why does our growth get stunted is the question. Okay. And um, I, I feel like there have been many times in my life where I have tried to describe that or tried to understand that, but I feel like now I have a brand new understanding and I just, I want to share it with you. So Paul comes into Corinth, their growth is stunted, they're not growing. Why does this happen? <clears throat> well, think about it. For those of you guys that have a J-O-B, how many of you guys have a J-O-B, okay? Right. For those of you that maybe couldn't spell that. You're like, that's a good book in the Bible. Yeah, I'm, you're talking a little bit different. <clears throat> so you get a job, okay? You get a job, and, and you're, here's what your boss says. All right, so hey, here's what we're going to pay you. Again, the babysitter's like, look, we're going to pay you 10 grand a night, okay? But for the rest of us, here's your job. Listen, and then you're going to work. You're going to work, and if you do a good job, then we're going to give you more. And then if you do a better job, we're going to keep giving you more. So in the work life, it says, okay, if you grow, if you mature, you're going to get rewarded. Well, school has the same premise, right? Like, so in second grade... If you, know, if you can start learning how to read and write, guess what? You're, you're going to graduate away to third grade and, and, and soon fourth. And then eventually, maybe, you're going to walk across that stage to the blow horn at the high school graduation, even though someone said that you, they shouldn't blow that, right? And, and, then, and then maybe you're going to go on to get uh, your, your college degree and then maybe your master's and your PhD. I got my master's in the school of hard knocks. Anybody else? You know what I'm saying? Like, got a PhD in that. No? Okay. Right on. All right. Like, but that, but that's, that's what school teaches you. School teaches you, you work, and then you get. I'll uh, think about athletics, exact same premise. So I'm going to work hard, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow, and then in my growth, I'm going to be rewarded. Like maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the starting cheerleader flyer, you know? I was trying to help the cheerleaders there for a second. Like, maybe I'm going to be the starting pitcher, or if I get good enough, I'm going to be this. Like, Think about it. Everything in our life is built on progress and growth and the reward that comes in the end. I believe our growth is stunted because we have victory in Christ now. The gospel is so counterintuitive to everything. We come to Christ, claim him as Lord, and guess what God says? All right, you have me. I'm your God. You're my kid. And guess what? This is, this is a great thing. Grace, forgiveness, love, mercy. It's all yours now. Now, are we in glory in heaven with him forever yet? No, but, but we have victory in Christ now. We have forgiveness of sin. We, like we have this connection with the Lord. In other words, like all of my toils on this earth aren't going to gain me like some kind of other prize. I already have my prize. But I get frustrated because I'm like, well, hold on a second. If, if in athletics I work harder, then maybe I'm going to get more. And in my job, if I work harder, then I get a raise. But in the gospel, he's already given me himself. And so I guess I don't have to grow then then I guess I can just kind of sit back, right? Like, we'll just ride this train and one day we'll get to glory land or something, right? Like, that's... So my contention is, our understanding of, of what growing does must change right now. 
and we're going to go on a journey that I pray it will change for you. But the reality is many of you come in here very stagnant, very distant from growth, haven't grown in a long time. And I believe at least one of the primary reasons is you've lost your desire, maybe we could say it this way, your motivation. Because you already have the person of Christ. So on one side, that seems like a, a weird thing. But on the other side, shouldn't it be an insane freedom? Last thing, uh, last part of this rant, and then we'll move on. Listen, think about all the other world religions that say spend your life working. Spend your life trying to gain God's approval. And then in the end, we'll see what happens. Does that seem like an encouraging kind of life to you? I feel like every single day I'd be waking up in more and more shame and more and more work that I feel like is, fa is falling on maybe a deaf God's ear. But instead, I can wake up every single day in the freedom of Christ and live. I can live. Life doesn't have to live me like in Christ, I, you. Like we get the opportunity to exist and live in that freedom. Grow and mature. It's a good thing. So God, please reshape our minds tonight on that issue. Okay, now here's what he goes on to say in verse 4 and 5. And this is going to be helpful for us. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Are you not being merely human? Remember, the issue is in Corinth, remember, some follow Cephas, that was Peter. Some follow Apollos. Some follow Paul. There was a fourth camp when we looked at it earlier in 1 Corinthians, Jesus. So there are all these camps. And Paul's like, listen, listen, listen. Like, in your immaturity, you are trusting in man. Showing you are merely human. When you put your trust in fallible man, guess what's going to happen to that trust? It will inevitably be broken. So listen, you need to dethrone man, see God on his rightful throne, only he is there, and stop showing yourself as merely human by saying, I follow Paul, or I follow Paul. No, 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 no. You need to rid yourself of that example. He has this in verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. Servants, that's what they are. Servants. We started something when we planted the church uh, 10 years ago. Uh, that every uh, covenant member here who became a covenant member decided to journey with us and, and come alongside of us that the elders, which is synonymous with pastor, the pastors would wash their feet. So at our very first covenant members meeting in August of 2005, like the three of us as elders got on our knees and we're like, okay, can you take off your shoes? And it was a bit awkward, all, all, you know, because they're like, what? Like, take off, like, do I have to give up my firstborn? You know, am I drinking some cool later? No, no, no. And like, we, we want to, like, as elders, as pastors, our role isn't some domineering figure in your life. Like, we're here to serve. We're servants of the Most High. That's what Paul is escalating. And he could do the opposite. Corinth respected him. Some were following him tremendously. So he could have been like, yep, you should follow me. Because, I mean, I am the Paul. I, I'm Paul, yeah, used to be called Saul, beat, smacked, all those things with the gospel. That's right. You heard me preach? Mm-hmm. 
You know? You saw him. I mean, he could say all those things. Instead, he's like, look, who, who are we? We're servants. Now, there's a text that's really going to help us and really challenge us simultaneously. Check this out. Next slide. This comes from Ephesians 4. And he gave, look at this, the apostles, Paul's writing, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to, to what? Equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, not to elevate themselves. Any pastor, any leader, any shepherd that elevates himself is in his mind and the mind of the local body of Christ that he or she is ministering to is diminishing the power of Christ. It's making the body dependent on a man and not a God. Are you guys with me? What you're going to hear here, what you're going to hear here over and over is the dethroning of man, the de-exaltation of man. You put your trust in me, guess what? I'm going to fail you up and down, left and right, all the time. We put our trust in one who doesn't fail. But the work of the saints, or the work of the, uh, of the shepherds and teachers, is to uh, equip the saints for the building up the body of Christ. Look, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, look at this, to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, uh, the, the role of Paul and Apollos was to watch this body of Christ mature. Was to help them grow. To help equip them. Listen, like every piece of our longing here is that. I grew up in the church setting where like the people up here were the ones who were really gifted for ministry. Like I, I grew up thinking like they do the work. They do the discipling. They do the pouring in. Man, if the pastor didn't say it, no, we're, like, we're not going to do it. But the scripture says we in Christ are the royal priesthood. Our whole heart here, our whole longing here is to equip you to get off the bench that doesn't even exist in Christ and to serve him amidst the body of Christ in a lost and dying world using the gifts that God has given you. That's our every desire in discipleship and the stuff we do when we love St. Charles and the empowerment of the saints, all of that. It's to dethrone man and empower you through God's spirit to be who God's made you to be in the, in, in the body. And that's what he's saying here. So that what? Verse 14. We may no longer be children. The more the body is equipped, the less dependent they are on man. And the more dependent they are on God. If you took every relationship out of your life right now, and it was you and the Lord. What would be left? Would it be awkward at first with the Lord? Um, hey, you know, like I haven't talked to you in a while. I've kind of been riding the coattails of, you know, my fiery friend for Jesus. Um, would it be like that? Again, God's blessed us with relationships. I'm, I'm not diminishing that. In fact, now we're going to see the power of it. Look at this. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, which will happen in your immaturity. But by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Next slide. Check this out. Beautiful text. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So we get this picture of what the community does in Christ together. Let me say it this way. Do you have any concern for how much your brothers and sisters are growing? You know what an infant does? An infant comes into the body and is like, I'm going to get mine tonight. That's right. I'm going to get my worship on. I'm going to get my conviction on. I'm going to get, you know, like, 
It's about you. You walk in here, your prayers are self-centered. God, help me get a thing tonight. God, help me feel this tonight. God, help, and on and on and on. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a different kind of picture. I'm seeing a picture where the body of Christ is so intentionally praying and concerned about the growth of their brothers and sisters because they are affected by them. I am affected by your growth and you are affected by mine. Why? Because we're in the same body. So I have tremendous concern then for those of you that shouldn't be infants anymore but are. You think it just impacts you and that's the self-centered mentality of, uh, of being infantile. You think that your lack of growth is only impacting you. Can I tell you something right now? It's impacting all of us. Maybe some more than others. But your immaturity, I'll tell you this right now for sure, is dragging others down. Your impact, the way that you talk in your immaturity, the way that you live in your immaturity, is grabbing other believers who either are immature or wavering like a child here. Like it's grabbing them with you. And this is very, very dangerous. I long to be in a body where you care for the marriages here. And in fact, you find yourself at 18, 19, 20 years old pleading for the marriages in our church. Where, I mean, you find yourself, you find yourself even walking in here like, God, please, I know that the marriage, uh, I know that the marriage is like a complete warfare. I know Satan can attack God. I pray that you'll be with these marriages. Uh, some of you, like I, I long for the day where you walk in and you're like, God, I pray that tonight you will do a massive work in all of us in Christ. God, save those who are here. That Imagine that kind of life. That's where the mature find themselves. You're praying not just for yourself, but you find yourself caring about the body of Christ so that together we may grow up. And that not be a bad thing, but that be a good thing. Now, we have to believe that our parents aren't holding out on us. That our parent isn't holding out on us. You guys have heard me share this story before probably, but my very first girlfriend um, of large significance was a girl by the name of Kylie Peppel. And uh, I came to my parents and I was like, hey, I'm going to go out with Kylie Peppel, seventh grade. And they're like, no, you're not. And I was, like, I was like, yeah, yeah, actually I am. She's hot. Have you seen her? Like, she talks to me. You know, like, <laughs> she doesn't just write me notes. We like, we talk, you know. Um, and my parents are like, no, you're, you're not going to do that. So what I decided to do in all of my maturity is I decided to go ahead and secretly date her. Anyone else have a secret relationship? Okay. It's awkward for some of you because you're in one right now, right? You're like, you like sat a seat apart from the person that you're dating. You're like, it's not us. I'm like, don't. Um, <laughs> And so what happened is I went to this, um, I went to this dance, seventh grade dance. Remember those? You know, where you're like, like this was your, so I went to this seventh grade dance and, um, and sure enough, we found ourselves at the most romantic place in my hometown, McDonald's. And, um, we went around back and this is a true story and I'm ashamed to say it, but my very first kiss, uh, was behind the McDonald's dumpster, um, <laughs> I was like smelling a McRib as I was kissing her. This is weird. This is... So later my parents find out. 
And the reason why they were asking me not to date her was because she had a reputation. Uh, a massive thing changed in her. She ended up coming to Christ and marrying a pastor, doing good stuff. But, but in the moment, my parents were holding out. like They were trying to protect me. They were trying to mature me. They were trying to, and instead I acted like an infant. And my heart flipped them off. It, like and my heart didn't care. And my heart wanted what I wanted. I couldn't see the full picture. And again, I think for some of you, like you walk in here, and that's your perspective of God. God's holding out on me. The commands that God gives me, um, they're meant to, take away fun and I, I just like I, before we look at the rest of this text because it's really really powerful I'm wondering tonight um, if you had a dictator kind of parent or dad and you associated like all of the things that your parents were trying to do with negative things what if God could just reshape our understanding of what he's doing as a good protective, loving dad. In other words, what if, you, what if you saw the call to not be sexually immoral as God taking your fun away? What if all of a sudden you're able to say, God, thank you so much for calling me to flee from sexual immorality because God, I've lived sexually immoral and I know what it brings and it does not bring freedom. So God, thank you for calling me to live in a different kind of way. What if you started thanking him for that? See, like I imagine as a seventh grader who's thinking I own the world. Like imagine, and I long for this from my kids. My parents say, hey, don't date Kylie Peppel. What if I would have said, mom and dad, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for having forethought. Thank you for caring for me. I appreciate that. You're right, I'm not gonna date her. I'll pray for her salvation. I'll date her in three months. Like, that's what I'll do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so let's keep going. But I, I want, that, that's where I'm longing that your heart gets to tonight. Because I think some of you are like, I don't want to mature in Christ. It'd be easier just to keep living the way that I am. So let's keep going. Look at this. Verse 6 is awesome. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but look, but God gave the growth. All right, um, Andrew, so cue the slide that has all the list of ways we can grow. You got, you got it back there, bro? Like, all right, so everybody, here's what you need to do. You need to get up in discipleship. A lot of families right now, you need to make sure you read your scripture 22 minutes a day, okay? That needs to be matched by prayer, at least 22 minutes, 23 of your super holy and mature. Right? If you're not serving a we love St. Charles, then what you're saying is you hate St. Charles, so forget you. I'm not putting up the slide because it doesn't exist. Does God use discipleship? Yes. Is God using law families? Yes. Is he using opportunities to serve? Yes. He's using those things, but he himself is the vehicle for growth, and he wants your growth. He did not save you to then watch you spit up like an infant. Are we together? He didn't save you so that now you can play patty cake. Oh, come here, little cute Christian. Right? I know you don't know any of my words. You know what? Like, he didn't do that. He saved you to then do a work through you, to mature you. What we would say doctrinally is to sanctify you. 
That's what God longs for. And I think like somehow in, in, this, in this like 18 to 23 or 4 year old mind of yours, like you think that's just going to come in time. But time doesn't equal maturity. Some of the strongest believers in Christ that I at least see the fruit from in this body are 18, 19, 20, 21. And we have some crazy strong seasoned as well, some crazy strong 30s. But I am astounded at what I'm seeing in so many of you. God is the one that does the growth. This should free you. Because you don't have to do a checklist now. You guys know what I'm saying? The checklist loses its checklistness, and you see these things as opportunities, as vehicles that come back to the one who's driving it. God provides the growth. This is why we say all the time here, when we were a, a church of six, which was a reality at one point, it was God's grace. Now we're a church of whatever, it's God's grace. Everything is God's grace. Why? Because God is the one that provides the growth. Paul said, I planted, he did, he planted the church, he left, Apollos came in and watered, but God was the one who was doing the work. This is a good thing for our maturation. Okay. So be freed in that. Now for the agricultural, look at this. So neither, verse 7, he who plants nor he who waters is anything, is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So, uh, okay, here we go, here we go. So uh, let me see, uh, let me see, let me uh, try to find somebody here. Uh, Bear, stand up with me. Bear, come on. Bear, stand up. This is a perfect time, okay? All right, so, yeah, could you stand up actually for us? Okay. I was, that was someone else's. Dude, come on, bro. Work with me. All right, Matt Bear, Matt Bear, listen, he's a strong, strong dude, okay? Both spiritually and physically. He's a specimen, okay? Okay? Good dude. I love you. I've known you for a long time, okay? What is the intent of Matt Bear's maturity? So in other words, as Matt learns God's word, as he grows, as he serves, is it to put his works on display so that all of us can say, oh my goodness, like what an unbelievable, are you 21? What an unbelievable 21-year-old. Like look at that, dude. Like that, is that the point or the focus? No, what Paul's saying is like nothing matters except the one who gives the growth. So true maturity, you can sit, sorry, I don't... It's like, stop pointing at me. True maturity are those who understand that everything is grace and that they are merely ambassadors. Now, I say merely here, not to de- uh, de-emphasize the role, but in terms of us versus God to put us in our rightful place. Our ambassadorship, we could say, is just to show how awesome the Lord is. It's not to say, hey, look, I know, like, I, I memorized Romans 1 last week. Oh, I'm pretty awesome. I'm pretty mature. The same people in your life who try to display their maturity are the same ones who are actually insecure and immature. Only God who gives the growth. Continuing with the agricultural theme, verse 8, he who plants and he who waters are one. In other other words, Apollos and Paul, they were one, they were together, they were in unison, they were interested in the growth, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. I want to make sure you understand, um, this isn't like God keeping a timesheet, you know, like, all right, Paul, well done. You get five bucks and 30 cents, now go spend it at the Heaven Carnival. That's, that's, not, that's not what he's saying here. But he's saying here, like, listen, your behavior shows your faith. Faith without works is dead. That's why I think Paul makes a third category. 
It's a dangerous category unless you're a brand new Christian. Every single one of you has to hear that. It is a dangerous category unless you're a brand new Christian. If you are still an infant in Christ, it is drastically revealing to what your interest is. And finally, he says in this in verse 9 as we close, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. That's who you are. God is reaping a harvest. It is God who is doing the work. It is God who is doing, doing the pruning. It is God who is providing the growth. So guess what? You get the opportunity to mature. You actually get that opportunity. So cherish it long for it. And my friends, don't lose your desire. So, um, I wonder tonight, what would happen if all of a sudden you had a really, really healthy understanding of where you were? I know the last thing any of us want to admit is that we're immature. The last thing we wanted to be called when we were a teenager was a child. There was one time that an elder at my last church put his finger in my 22-year-old chest and called me little boy. I wanted to punch him. I got a, like there's something inherent in us that we don't want to be called less than what we think we are. But is it possible you've been overestimating Maybe, maybe you thought that you had moved on to adolescence, but, but in reality, when God commands you to do something, you act like a child. You throw your tantrum. As God commands you to things, you, you think he's holding out on you. And so what you're doing is you're tempting to spend all of your walk of Christ as a baby acting like a baby, showing the world that believers go nowhere, they get their gift, and then they just sit there the rest of their life. So um, it's crazy how the Lord does this. Last night I was, just, I was just reading and trying as much as I can at night after the kids go to bed, and Heidi and I last night were just laying on the couch, just cuddling, and I have my Bible open, and I was reading First John. I've been reading that recently. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is the essence of maturity. This is the essence of not losing desire, even though we already have victory. So here's what First John chapter 5 says. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that that we love the children of God when we love God, and look at this, obey his commandments. So I obey and I show my love of God. If it stopped there, even though Jesus does in the Gospel of John, I think we would leave here with like a, all right, so I, I guess I obey, and that's, that's it. But listen, listen, he goes on, look at this. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Listen, I, for whatever reason, I've never seen this before. Do you guys see this? For this is the love of God. 
that we keep his commandments. In other words, he loves us enough to provide structure to help shepherd us to as we grow, we're like, I'm so glad I'm not back there. I don't need to like act immature anymore. In fact, I'm glad those days are done. They were necessary. I grew, but I'm thankful for the growth because the love of God is shown in his commandments. He calls me to not have a jealous heart. And you know what? The days that I've spent being jealous of other people, it was incredibly damning, incredibly insecure. It pushed me farther and farther down into self-centeredness. And when I got to this place where I realized I have all that I need in Christ, oh my goodness, the freedom. And so now all of a sudden my desire to grow and mature is claiming victory at the end of verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And look, and his commandments are not burdensome. The immature see the commandments of God as burdensome, even the new believers. Because they're learning how they're not. They come to Christ, grace is great, mercy is awesome, God's love is awesome. And then, sometimes wrongly, some Christian steps in and like, you know, 10 seconds later, it's like, okay, really, really cool that you came to Christ. You need to stop masturbating. And the new Christian's like, what? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Or you need to stop drinking. Or you need to stop being, you you need to stop gossiping. Like, we step in like 10, 15 seconds after, and we teach the new believer that the commandments are burdensome. Don't you wish someone would have come alongside of you as a new believer and said, check this out, you'll never believe this. This is crazy, this is crazy. God writes in the word that we're to love our enemies. I need to tell you something. When I love my enemies through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, this is crazy. Everything in me doesn't want to. But as I love my enemies, I watch my life and the yoke of slavery that I used to be under completely loose itself and I find freedom. Don't you wish, as a new believer, you would have heard that? Instead of hearing, okay, you've come to Christ, go team, you need to stop, you need to stop, you need to stop, you need to stop. Instead, it was like, no, no, listen, listen, God has this amazing commandment. It's incredible. You'll never believe how awesome it is if you would submit in the love of a good God who calls you to do this. Then all of a sudden, we together as a community grow in our maturation because the commandments of God aren't burdensome, they are freeing. And the same world who doesn't want a God to take away from their fun starts seeing a God who provides freedom and a new kind of joy. And now all of a sudden, the world sees not just a bunch of babes in Christ floundering, tossed to and fro. They see a bunch of people that are experiencing the love of God as God provides the best way to live. And then we're 19 years old. And we look up at God and we're like, hey God, thank you. Thank you for calling me to not gossip. I'm really thankful for that commandment. It saved me a whole bunch of drama right there by listening to that. I thank you for loving me enough 
to command me to that. So, now the rubber meets the road. Are you growing right now? Flourishing right now? You find the depths of your heart longing to grow deeper. Longing to seek him in new ways. Longing for new understandings of the gospel. Is that where you find yourself tonight? Or do you find yourself, I don't feel like I've grown in weeks. I'm weary. I'm tired. I've lost motivation. I've I've already got the the thing, Mark. God's already given me eternal life. I, I can settle down now. Here's my picture. My picture is of a whole community praying for one another that we would together grow. That's my picture right now. It's like all of a sudden, God in this place reaps a crazy harvest. All of a sudden, it's a whole bunch of people who believe that anyone who puts their hands to the plow and turns back is not fit for the service uh, for, uh, in the kingdom of God. All of a sudden, like, there is this longing and desire. What if, what if God answered the, what if we were bold enough to pray, God, don't let any of us sleep tonight until we've been nourished from your word. What if, like, what if he answered that prayer? Okay, no problem. And some of us are up at two and three in the morning just feasting on God's word. What happens when a kid goes through a, a growth spurt? What does, he, what does he get? What does he get? Come on. He gets hungry. He gets hungry. When my kids start growing, they start getting hungry. What if we were so desperately hungry for God's word? Like all of a sudden, it was almost out of nowhere. We were like, man, I've been so complacent, so dry, so much in a drought. And like God just right now, we're like, God, I know you want us to grow. So, and I know you're the agent of growth, so God, grow us. And he put in us a longing for his word that we could not deny. That only his word would satisfy. Like, what if he answered that prayer? Would you be willing? Would you want that? Would you desire that? And what if all of a sudden your prayers weren't just for yourself, but you found yourself tonight at one in the morning crying out for your brothers and sisters in this room, saying, God, would you grow this person? God, give them a desire that can only be satisfied in you. God, please help them grow. That, my friends, is a group of people, the body of Christ, maturing together and God using the gifts that he's given all of us to be ambassadors to a lost and dying world that is a beautiful thing let's stand together come on all right this will be really weird for some of you We're going to pray right now, and I don't want you at all to pray for yourself. Your prayers right now are for those in your, in your row, for those that you know are here. We're going to spend some time right now covering everyone else. I don't think that we believe yet that prayer is a weapon. 
I still think we believe sometimes that it's just a part of the service. No, you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to pray to the throne of God through the person of Jesus who has given us access to the throne of God. And we're going to ask him right now in power, strength, and faith that he would grow us. That's what we're going to do. And if God answers that prayer that's offered in his will, like 1 John 4 says, we will see answers. So listen, pray. Even if you haven't prayed in a month, in two months, maybe this will be the time because it won't be self-centered. Pray for the body of Christ in this room. Come on, let's cry out to him. Come on. God, we care so desperately for our friends here. And so I'm praying that you would put in each of my brothers and sisters in this room right now a desperation. Give them a desperate heart. Give them a desperate pursuit. I pray that you would use whatever means necessary to mature them. I pray, God, that they would not celebrate immaturity one more day. That they wouldn't celebrate, God, their sinfulness or their crude joking or their lewd behavior. That that wouldn't be a celebrated thing. God, purge that from us right now. Instead, God, give us a longing as a community to walk alongside each other as we grow together. God, you do that work so that no man may boast. But that you would stand yet again as Lord of our lives. So we trust in you, not in man. Come quickly and answer our prayers. Please, God, come. Come.